listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, are you thinking about joining the ranks of podcasters? If so, let me give a shout out to Blueberry, who is part of how this show is here today. They make it so easy with their PowerPress plugin. Each show is effortlessly linked to iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and more. Even better, they have five-star support with Mike to get everything humming along. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, and use promo code LISTEN to get your free month trial. Hello, glistening particles. In this episode, I find myself at a neighborhood coffee shop in Oregon, Wisconsin, having a conversation with Frank G. Caruso. The G is important, and you'll hear why. Frank is a filmmaker, writer, and an all-around great guy. Among his films are a cult mockumentary called Going Great White, which I can vouch for being super hysterical, and a documentary about growing up with Down syndrome in the 50s called This Is My Sister. He's extremely amusing, as noted by the number of times I burst out laughing, even amidst our studio audience. Okay, there's not really a studio audience, but that sounded really good, didn't it? I do know this. If I ever do a marathon recording, you know, like the kind for the Guinness Book of World Records or something, Frank is the one I want on deck for the night shift because he just never stops. So with that, here's Frank G. Caruso, filmmaker, screenwriter, Writer, comedian, dad, cool guy. All right. Hi, Frank. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I imagine a lot of people say that, but I'm being very honest. It's been, <laughs> been a lovely morning setting up with you. And how long has it been that we've been doing that? A little while. We're into the next day now. <laughs> I know. But we started good. on Tuesday and now it's Wednesday. We've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner together, and now we're about to have a midnight snack. <laughs> okay, none of that's true. Just so no, it's not true. That yeah, not true. we're just hanging out here right. at, at a coffee firefly. shop at the Firefly, and it's open during the day, luckily for us. Right, even though Fireflies technically come out at night. Right. But we th- I, about think, that. I think things happen here at nighttime that we're unaware of. <laughs> In you know, the late hours of the evening. Well, if we keep up the pace we've had, we probably will actually be here tonight. We could be, and it'll be fine because they've got the kitchen back there. As long as there's, as long as there's food near, we're going to be okay. Okay, so I have to tell people how this happened. Listeners, a little bit of the creation of the earth. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. So, okay, so Frank is a friend of my brother's, and my brother said you've got to talk to Frank. And um, I looked up a couple things about you, and you seemed like a lot of fun, and I definitely needed to talk to you. 
But then we decided to do something really adventurous and come record live in person. Well, not live, but like in It person. is live. It's, it's not Memorex. <laughs> we it's are live. live. Right we technically are live right now. We tried a little bit of live stuff, but that that didn't go so We well. just, uh, everyone was sleeping when we started. <laughs> so. We're not. Yeah, no. So um, this is my only second on the road show with all of my high-tech equipment. And, well, we're actually using some of it. Right? right now, it's very elaborate, very sophisticated <laughs> stuff. It's amazing what you can do mobily these days. So we did learn. We learned one really important thing. The next time I do this, to get a, a tall um, tripod with a camera on it, doing time lapse video of how this happened. Because seriously, we tried every possible angle on this situation. We <laughs> were trying many angles, yeah. and those the angles are always tough to come around. Uh, and, and the Firefly is crowded, so there's so many. That we have a studio audience, actually, today. I know. Which is kind of nice. So Nobody really is paying attention to It's not them, much. So. I mean, they're listening, but they're not looking. <laughs> Everyone's texting someone. Right. Oh, really? Are Glistening they? Particles is here. Tune in. It's Glistening yeah, Particles. It's going to be like a flash mob pretty soon. Yeah. That's going to happen. Well, the line's going out around the building already. <laughs> They've run out of bagels. So here's the best thing about this podcast, okay, so far. You. So far. Jane. Uh. Jane is the best thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's you. Like, yeah. my face hurts, and we've only been here. <laughs> well, we have been here 12 hours, but. <laughs> we've been here a while. We've he been keeps here saying it, like, it's okay, but I can tell, like, at some point, he's like, why am I still here? It's but exciting. I love when, you know, the best things, and, you know, when I've done films, the funniest times and the. The most creative times we've had is when we, and not necessarily this is a mistake, starting to, you know, <laughs> plug in our, we're, we're, we're trying to plug in equipment and get things connected and the internet and all that jazz. Uh, on films, it's just been hilarious when we've done improv and someone did make a, an error. Hey, and that's great. They made an error mistake. They didn't read their line right. It was a better line, actually, right. than what was written or we came up with something. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, one of my films, Going Great White, uh, great collaboration with great actors and, and other director and, and uh, camera guys. We just we had a great time just from making the film and creating it. Uh, so tell us, a we, we probably should tell people what you do, but you've done a nice segue into it. So you're, you're a filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker only and, because that title has right. been anointed on me because I made a film. Right. But everyone with an iPhone or an Android who's making a film could call themselves a filmmaker. However, yeah. we've, we've had some uh, relative uh, success in uh, documentaries and uh, in films, mockumentaries. Uh -huh. the, the genre from Christopher Guest and a few years back actually this is the 10 year anniversary coming up this summer of Going Great White really? yeah 10 years um, it's kind of a sensation on the internet and throughout libraries in the country <laughs> if you can get DVDs if anyone still has a player it is on the internet though uh, and uh, people love it you know they discover it I, uh -huh. I tell you I get an email once a month now or I'll run into someone mm -hmm. and and they're looking, you know, they're so, they're looking for characters that right. were in the film. And uh, one of the characters that, that I had portrayed, it wasn't initially, uh, I wasn't initially slotted for that, even though we wrote, I wrote it and directed it, collaborated with uh, Frank Summers, uh, was Gabe, that character. And when people do see me, and I've been out of state, and I was in a grocery store, and someone, <laughs> some guy came up to me, right. I was in the produce area, 
And he said, are you going to be drinking this? Now, those of you who haven't seen the film, there's a scene where Gabe is just in a grocery store drinking beverages and then putting them back on the shelf. <laughs> I know. I love that. I and, cracking and, uh, up at that. So I didn't know what he was talking about because we're years <laughs> away. And I thought he was selling me something. And then I look up over his shoulder and his teenage son is in the background laughing his butt off. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's why all the young uh, teenagers' pants are so far down from laughing their butts off. <laughs> At going great white, and so you started that trend. Uh, so I possibly I don't think it came out of the prison system like I thought originally. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we had a great talk with that yeah. guy and his kid, and they loved the film. They and people watch it again and again. I just had an email about a month ago, and uh, someone said they watched it again and they discovered things they didn't because we had a lot of secret messages in the film when we created it that. Uh, such the, as, do you want to give one away? No, I'm not giving one away. But look at the, okay. when, when the uh, upstream is giving his uh, talk in, in a room with people, look at the board behind okay. him and see oh, what I it spells out. I it's an acronym, like but it spells out something. I mean, there's lots of little things, but that, that was funny stuff. We, we so had a good time. Start, is it, it's like a cult movie. I mean, like, it's, like a, it's a cult Napoleon of people that really like that. love, yeah. uh, well, improv, but that, that genre, uh, mockumentaries. Okay. Uh, they love that. Okay. And, and I they, purposely uh, didn't watch it because I wanted to hear it all fresh from you. So I'll be watching it after this. Watch it. Yeah, you'll get yeah, a kick out of it. If you like done. to laugh every minute in about 32 seconds, you're going to love it. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Well, if it's anything like you here, um, I'm already... We're going to be okay. We're going to be great. Um, great. So say the title of it one more time. Going Great White. Going great. And it's, uh, you know, that title came out of, it's fish. Right. The Great White Shark. You start as a minnow. Uh, it's pyramid building. Uh, I'll call it, say it schemes because uh, oh, you know okay. schemes. We actually went and had uh, myself and Frank Summers went and had a guy who was in a pyramid building sales. Uh-huh. Uh, he was doing this part time to right. make money, and this is a guy who is very successful financially. But he decided to take this on, and we went in for a 45-minute pitch Mm -hmm. and said, just do it the way you would do it to any of your... (laughs) And we bought into it. We've lost our homes. We've we've lost our cars, our families, because we bought into this. No, I'm kidding. But he he was... His pitch was so amazing. Yeah, they're skilled. Uh, Oh, very skilled. And and again, this guy, very successful artist, a matter of fact. Um, And then, you know, he lost some money and then went on and and got out of that and we decided to you know have people in the film that really aren't salespeople okay and put them in a situation where they had to sell okay to become from a minnow to a you know oh, the, the, the plankton the minnow the poly whatever you know go on up to the to be the great white shark Nice. Uh, the big sales, Hancho Hunga. So do they use your film like in sales training now? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I mean, sales, I'll tell you, salespeople do love it. Salespeople <laughs> for, that for, have come up okay. to me and that are in sales, right. uh, whatever the sales is, they love the film. They, they just love it. I, I really haven't found too many people that don't love it. Well, I hope um, not. Which is kind of, kind of fun because right. it's such a little... It's such a you know it's such a little film that we put together and and, it, and now that ten years have passed, we never wanted to tell people what it costs to make that film. But I'll tell you today okay. what it costs, it's, and I think so. It's just today is the cool first time. That you're today doing. is the first time. So I you think heard we, it. we may first. have talked about it with a few people, but okay. earlier on when you put a price tag on a film of the cost of production, it always that to people at least even ten years ago because the advent of the. DSLR, uh-huh. 
uh, had been, was you know probably what uh, seven years away where it really changed the film industry uh, being able to create films on it with a DSLR so we didn't have that at the time so uh, when we made the film production budgets if people heard the number they'd think well the quality of the film is not there but it was you know we shot it on many many tapes and uh, you know just uh, static lenses static pole we moved the camera around a little bit but uh, it, all of it and said we have, had about 125 extras in the film including our leads right. which were theater people okay but we spent uh, $900 on making the film oh my because of the love and right volunteerism from all the, the people involved and the 900 uh, was ma- mainly food <laughs> Fe- feed your people well actually you did pretty well on that then, we did we fed everyone well extras. and we had people donate many things to Aww. the you know our props and we went uh, we actually went garbage picking we just started driving yeah. and then we were frank and i frank summers and i we we drive stop at the uh, where people were throwing away things, and we were writing the script in the car. Oh we'd pull the script out, and we'd pull things out of the garbage, and so then Frank write. And Frank. Frank and Frank, yeah. At no. that time, Frank and Frank Productions. Okay. Um, but we, one of the scenes in the movie, the teacher is teaching the kids the alphabet on the keyboard, and Q W E R T Y U instead of A B C D E F G. So I went over to the garbage, and I pulled out this keyboard uh-huh. and I saw the keyboard I said Frank let's have the teacher teach the alphabet off the keyboard not the traditional <laughs> way of the ABCD right. it was Q W E R T Y so that and that was it and it was written into the script right there on our car and we drove away and had that as a prop and part of the script just like that and that's how this you know the script came together you know Frank had an idea and we wrote it and we just uh, you know we had a ball so how did you get to the point where you were doing that like what brought you to the what what in your life led you to, like, we're going to write this script? Well, to that point, I mean, we'll go harken back to yeah. New York, the Stanley Theater. I'm a kid. Okay. Going to the Stanley Theater, and my production company now is Stanley Pictures. But we would, I'd go to the, the Stanley Theater with Steve Pepinelli. And that, now, is that an incredible name, Steve Pepinelli? I don't know that name. Yeah, he's I'm credible. Nodding, credible no. kid. I'm a kid. I'm going to the Stanley Theater to see movies. It was so inexpensive back then to see a movie. <laughs> we, next door was one of the first McDonald's that opened up in our area. Oh, my God. And we'd go and grab five bags of French, French fries right. for all of a buck. Right. And we'd sneak Remember them into that? the theater. Right. And then chow down on them. And uh, my stomach would be yelling up to me, please, let's get to the restroom after that. Uh, but we, uh, we watched the films. I saw my films there. I thought when I was a kid, I was just mesmerized by film and how it appeared on a screen. And in that day, and today, the Stanley Theater still exists. And it is a beautiful theater. The, I thought these velvet seats and these velvet words. Wasn't with it these, magical? It was magical. Yes. And I thought, how do they do that? And so... You know, it was really, we didn't know anything about it back then. It was we so did, magic. We really didn't. And it was, was a magical thing. In some ways, to me, I think of it still magical when mm-hmm. I go out and, you know, I'm recording, uh, like in my documentary, I'm recording history. Right. When someone is speaking about their life and giving their time. Mm-hmm. And the actors that are come out and read lines that we've written and then create a character from those written lines. It's still magical to me Tell to me see that all that. What is that like to like, see, you know it in your head, you have a vision of it, but then to see somebody take it and say it. And make it magic. Right. What make it that, magical, yeah. very magical. Uh, go, uh, you know, talk about going great white. Um, 
when the actors and thank goodness we had the theater actors because they were all brilliant and, and but they took hold of those scenes and made them real and they added to it they they made the words come alive off the paper with their 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 physicalness their expressions uh and their love for the film and they you know the big thing is they got it they immediately got it got the humor and we're able to open it up and make it a wonderful thing. And when, when you're standing in the back and you're hearing that and seeing that, it, it's just a, a fabulous journey to be able to do that. Do you think um, it's different for you because you were so invested in every level of it than, let's say, someone who writes a screenplay for you know Hollywood blockbuster and and they don't have their their maybe their heart in every level, every part of it. Do you think it's different? Oh. You know, I think, you know, the bigger Hollywood films, it is a big investment upon people, a director, cinematographer, writer. They do invest, even a writer, you know, I've written yeah. several screenplays, I'm working on several now, and you do invest a lot of time and it's there, but at some point, I'm sure they, as we did, you know, you let it go into the next, because right. you take it to that point, and then you want to release it, and you need to release it, because you take it to the, the pinnacle of that, and then you let it go, and then the... Uh, the director gets it or the producer gets it and let's see, oh, what's this going to cost to do? What do we need? And, and they take it to the next point and then on and on and on and the actor gets it and they take it apart. And, and there are many stages to it. Um, and still, as I develop an independent film, you do have many pieces of it from the inception of creating something that never existed to the end where you're really making the film, and that's in the editing room. Right. When you are cutting the film together, and we had, what did we have? A hundred, we got babies crying we now. Babies crying they must have seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> they're frightened. Oh, they're There's like, a baby yeah. somewhere. They just rolled them by. You know what I was thinking, though? You know how, um, so I talked to an artist a couple weeks ago, a painter. I mean, every you're an artist as well. I'm an artist. But as an artist, there's something about, like, letting it go. You know what I mean? And that's... Like, even if I were going to say somebody wanted my podcast, it's like my baby. It would be so hard to let it go. So when you get to do every aspect of the film from, you know, write the screenplay, direct, act, all of that, it's like you're still so entwined with it. I think it must be hard and different when you have to give the screenplay away, even though you have all that heart invested in it as you write it, but then giving it to someone else and letting it go. That that? is difficult. Um, when you do hand things off, you do you do it with a trust in that person's art and and professionalism and love for the project. E- even if there's a financial means to it, you know that you know that this, you know, and every filmmaker, regardless of what they say, you know, you want to have su- financial success, right? Mainly because you want to be able to go to the next project with mm-hmm. something in your back pocket mm-hmm. to invest in the next project at least an independent film i mean there's huge enormous films that make that cost a fortune to to produce and they don't do as well and you know they say they don't always do as well as in the box office but say a film costs 50 million and it does 70 i mean as an independent unit filmmaker i'm thinking you got people working You've, you've had maybe six months of work for people you have made some profit. Is it a huge, right. you know, uh, a Terminator or a, a fi- uh, the, you know, some of the bigger uh, high-end films? Probably not. But you're, you've still got people working. It's in your portfolio. Um, there's some good aspects out of it. And you know, you know, I see a lot of films, and and not all of them are what I say great in terms of storyline. I, you know, I like all sorts of genres. 
But there's always something in a film. There's typically one or two things that are tremendous. It may be a, an actor's performance. It may be the cinematography. It may be the music. And you take that away, and that has made the, the experience great. Right. Whoever's part that was in creating that, that is fantastic. And I, I do see it often, and I usurp those moments out of each film, whether it is the dialogue or the cinematography or, or what have you. I agree. I mean, when I think of my lifetime of, of watching movies and films, there's very few. Like, I mean, I could probably count on one hand where I go, oh my gosh, I've lost two hours of my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was, there was nothing out of that. It's really a small number when you think about it. Yeah, unless you go in like the popcorn films and go yeah. just for the blast of the entertainment. Right. Um, My favorite it, films are independent films. When I look back at what, the ones that stick with me and that I bring back and integrate into my life, it's, it's not the $50 million. The big blockbuster. No, but we enjoy com going and seeing those well, for sure. here and there. You know, last year, one of my favorites, I mean, I had a lot of favorites, but Moon Moonlight um, uh, sticks out. Mm -hmm. Just the, you have a character there that's been through this, this turmoil. Mm -hmm. He is, uh, he's a drug dealer and you have great uh, sympathy for him. And the director, right? You know, to be able to do that with a character, typically we wouldn't have that kind of compassion. But this the young man, he's a sweet soul. Mm -hmm. And we see that in the film. And we're, you know, we're really cheering for him and hoping for him at the end. Mm -hmm. Typically, you wouldn't see that. And so that, that's, that's magic there. Right. That is... Uh, to understand that. That is a very yeah. magical thing. Yeah. Um, that happened in that film. And very simple, mm -hmm. you know? I haven't seen that yet. Now I'm going no to No special effects... Just right to the core of the heart and the That's gut. That's my favorite, though, the human, intre yeah. the human interest. Right. I'm not a special effects kind of girl. No, but they're neat when they can create them, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. They're so, really neat. Let's talk about some of your other work that you've done. Your what do you want to talk about? We've um, got the documentary. Documentary, This Is My Sister. Mm -hmm. That's now uh, hovering at five years. That was a great experience. Uh, I had How that came about, I had kept uh, journals of my daughters growing up. And I was doing a news segment uh, for cable access, and I was at the high school, and I had dropped my daughter off mm -hmm. uh, to school that day and, and wrote a little, first day of high school, wrote a little, little uh, blurb in my, in my journal and handwritten. It wasn't on my right. iPad because it wasn't around then. And uh, I was filming. They have these days where you, it's Laura Ingalls Wilder Day, where they go back in time and make... You know, porridge. <laughs> uh, right. They'll be knitting and, right. and doing, and they dress up in the garb of the period. So we, uh, I was in a room, I went into a room, and there were five women sitting um, doing some uh, knitting mm -hmm. and, uh, or yarning, teaching crochet. I'm not quite sure, but I'm sure the, the <laughs> sisters are going to call me on yeah. this. But that wasn't the point of it. They, uh, they were all sitting there, and then the t they were just about, the teacher was going to introduce all of the women mm -hmm. to the class, and she introduced all of them except Mary. Okay. And Mary is a girl with, a woman, I should say, with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And at the time, she was, what, 50, in her 50s. And immediately, her sister, Kathy, stood and said, and this is my sister, Mary. Uh -huh. She said this to the children, and the teacher didn't mean any anything mm -hmm 
you know, she probably uh, didn't mean any harm. This is probably just, she may have not known her name. I don't know the reason, and okay. it wasn't important. The big thing that stood out with me, though, is that Kathy stood up mm-hmm. and said, and this is my sister. Did she have to? know? but she did. Mm-hmm. And I want to, that's where the story started. I oh, wanted to know why. What a moment. I have goosebumps. So uh, the camera's running, and I lean over to my little flip pad, and I write down what happened in there below Lily going to school there. So put it away. Okay. Leave that day, aired, it airs on TV. Four years later, Uh I'm in my office, and I invite Lily down. I pull out the journal, and I said, Lily, I just want to read you some things that happened since, you know, birth until your graduation. And uh, so I just flipped through some of them. And I came upon that. I happened to come upon that day. Mm-hmm. I could have skipped it, but I didn't. And I read what happened. And my daughter, Lily, says, Dad, you should do something. And so that day I found their names and I called them. And I set up a breakfast for the next morning. Oh, wow. And now keep in mind, these are very guarded people. Mm-hmm. When you have a, a, a child or a sister, a sibling, someone that has, you know, a a physical or mental challenge and the world is so cruel mm-hmm. to people that are different in any way mm-hmm. um, they're per- very protective so I went and met with I met with uh, Mary and Kathy yeah. and had breakfast with them and we loved uh, we had a great conversation we talked I told them what I wanted to do I told mm-hmm. them about that day mm-hmm. and about how I'd like to tell the story and they invited me into their lives. Now, did I go right in with a crew and camera? No, I spent some time getting to know Mary and Kathy mm-hmm. and Nora, uh, the sister, uh, Nora's husband, Ed. And we, we spent some time knowing each other and getting to trust me. Mm-hmm. So when I showed up uh, the first day, I showed up with me, the camera, and a couple of lights and some microphones, and, mm-hmm. and that was it. So I wasn't intrusive right. because... I wanted to be, you know, I started to protect Mary uh, in ways. uh, It was a beautiful, it really was a beautiful journey for me as a person, as a dad, as a human, and a a filmmaker telling the story. Mm -hmm. So we just started telling the story. And you'll see in the film, uh, you know, Mary was born in 1957, and typically in 1957, if you had Down syndrome, you were institutionalized. And uh, the parents were told, she'll she won't be anything you have to put her away and they said no they kept her at home and raised her and then you know of course the parents have passed Mm -hmm. and uh uh, kathy and nor now are um mary lives alone with a with a roommate but they are her guardians Mm -hmm. kathy and nor and uh one of the real poignant there's several poignant moments in the film but uh, when the mother was passing away, mm-hmm. she kept asking, because Mary's birthday, the mother was dying, and Mary's birthday was very close. Mm-hmm. And she kept asking, is it Mary's birthday? She didn't want to die on Mary's birthday. Mm-hmm. And Mary's birthday came, mm-hmm. and uh, she asked about that. The next day came, and her birthday had passed, and she says, Mary had her birthday, and everyone said yes, and she died. Aww within that on that day the oh next day goodness. she held out and that's in the film the, the sisters talk about it so the power of love and parents mm-hmm. and what they go through mm-hmm. it's and just the yeah, compassion. it's really something it's the re- compassion it's really of something. your daughter that, that your daughter had 
to, to, to have the vision. So yes. this the uh, so the genesis of that started mm-hmm. from that and happened. And I was very fortunate that I was able to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. It is. It you know it really um, it changed Mary's life for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hit, we had shown it. Uh, at uh, a church we had it was full probably 300 people right. on that particular day and uh, and I've showed it at festivals and you know people would come up to me and they they didn't know they they didn't know about the people like Mary mm-hmm. they were always at a standstill or afraid mm-hmm. or didn't know and they didn't know the human side of mm-hmm. Mary's like everyone else mm-hmm. just that you know it's one chromosome Right. That separates us, and um, Mary is very much like everyone else. She has joy and sadness, and dreams, and mm-hmm. and hopes, and she worked two jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, productive. Uh, uh, very productive. Yeah. You know, I think it's a generational thing too. I mean, I look at my children, and I think because um, children that are that are born with Down syndrome are pretty well integrated into the school system. There's a compassion that builds right there, and understanding, and realizing that. It's that one, one difference. You know, it's not a complete, diff- like. A, but when I was growing up, it would be. Um, it wasn't like that. When I'd see someone, when we would be out and see someone, you know, it was like a, a full, it was like an alien, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. That's how it, yeah. the generation was for me because they were all so many of them were put away and that you didn't get to see that. The assimilation is essential, and you will see that mm-hmm. in uh, This Is My Sister and another great film that people should see is David and Monica okay. because uh, Mary wasn't assimilated as quickly as in the film David and Monica okay. where you see these two two young people who fall in love and live in New York City. Uh, and that film really showcases how assimilation of people that have challenges mm-hmm. make their lives better right. and they enrich our lives they right. teach us absolutely. so many things about it, patience absolutely. and compassion and love and understanding and joy, and, joy and, right. and hope and dream all those things they, right. they pause us momentarily to say you know life matters and, and we all matter to each other mm-hmm. and we really are here really to, to help one another mm-hmm. I mean none of my films could be made without the collaboration of, of others mm-hmm. I, I am the filmmaker, and my name's on the on the films uh, alongside others. But the, they never could be made without the love of other people coming to it. Yeah, it seems to me as if I was thinking about this recently that the one basic human need we all have is connection, and isolation is almost like the cruelest. I think the cruelest of. Um, sentences or tortures you know what i mean to be isolated from other human beings is yes, the worst yes. possible thing isolation is a horrible thing mm-hmm. we need more connection right everyone does to talk and get out of our get out of our phones so i know even in the coffee reminiscing shop, right? i say reminiscing with strangers i know that's a good that's way to... yeah. yeah i just start conversations some people are like get away from me i know I was going to say, I that you do They can't that. even say that. But, right. uh, no, you know, people will have, well, we'll come back. I think that, you know, even the younger generation is really looking towards connecting in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they really want, they want that. Right. They heard about it somewhere. They read about it. They've seen it. And they want that connection. And, you know, it just made me think of something. You know how um, when we were growing up, we had, uh, let's say, 
graham crackers. Okay. Loved them. Okay, me too. Oh my loved gosh. Still love them. I do too, but I always would. I, there was this thing I was telling my son the other day. I wish I could go back and have a box of graham crackers from them, from then, and taste what they taste like then, because there's been so many, you know, changes to them, and I, I feel like they've lost something in the. In the, t- in the recipe. Yes. So literally use, in the recipe. Substitutions and, and, you know, faked things. And, and that's so virtual connections, which which can be amazing. Like you look at social media and things like that. Like I've met people around the world through this, but I haven't met them in person yet. But the connections are, you know, intense and great. You know what I mean? No, they're, sure. They're rich. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to learn that smartphones and Internet and all that are not a valid substitution for face-to-face conversations and real real conversations that that's going to come around at some point we're going to realize that we've been faked out you know yes oh absolutely or down or diluted or something it's just not enough well even communicating say you know texting do a lot of i do a lot of texting too with because uh, that's my Me daughters too. do that yeah. i mean the call and there's there's things that are lacking in texting Right. The, the word verbiage happens but when now i'm looking right at you right, right. now and we're talking and I know you're smiling because I'm watching you smile. Right. And uh, those physical char- characteristics are part of communication, body language, face, mm-hmm. face, acknowledgement of things. Uh, text d- does not do that. I mean, the uh, you know, you can put the, the smiley face or so, right. something. It still, it, it lacks. You know, and it's not, it really is in our generation. Right. The kids want to have it. They, they really do. And kid, when I say kids, I mean 30-year-olds. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, teenagers. They Because I, right. I talk with them. I You know, they I mean, really want to yeah. connect. They, they right. really do. And, and, and they might not know what it's like. Yeah. Just like we don't, like, in our generation, there were things we didn't know what it was like for generations before us. Some things that they had that were probably um, more real. More real. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we always want to harken back and say, and sometimes we say, oh, that. Right. When I was a kid or right. when that and that. And every generation does that. Right. But we have important things like the graham crackers, right. you know, and it's a, a, <laughs> and that's, things, right? well, <laughs> and that's a, a time where we and we things tasted different to us. We had, enjo- you know, we enjoyed certain basic things we didn't have as much we didn't have as much not that we right. were poor well that's really all we had we had you we, know graham crackers and, and roller skates that was it that's all we had right, yeah, yeah right yeah mike can attest to that very easy <laughs> there, there are so many choices now right, there are right. tremendous choices and i live within technology i love technology it's provided myself and thousands of other filmmakers to be able to tell stories i mean right. we last year the year before that we had a film made on the iphone and, you know, and it went went into Sundance, you know, edited, but, uh, wow, but it was made on iPhone. Awesome. People are making films and short films on devices and rather than... Yeah. We couldn't do that 10 years ago. Right. We couldn't do that five years ago. And I love technology, so don't get me wrong. Oh, my, no, My children will say she's on her phone all the time, which I kind of am. Yeah. So I get that, and I, and I love it. And I love the fact that I can actually talk to somebody on my phone, either texting or even audio or video around the world and have a very meaningful conversation it's just that when we use it to shut down or when we when we forget that there are people in front of us like you said the coffee shop everyone's sitting and having yeah they're down yeah yeah. i you know i use technology to to enrich my life not to diminish it yeah exactly and i i do i i don't let it control me i don't know if i'm there yet but (laughs) it gets there you know i have to use it for updating social media or do uh upload a film or 
communicate with other people. Um, trying to think of where to go next with you. So you also write. You, you write. Yes, the last I would say three years, but Besides two years solid. Yeah. Um, I've I'm right, I'm working on a couple of screenplays, right. and I'm really uh, you know sharpening the pencil on one particular, which is uh, called Web Gardener. It's a comedy, okay. and uh, it's near. I've got the third act done and there's a transition there i'm working on uh but that is uh it's a it's a it's a funny film we we intersect uh four lives uh four different lives there's there's uh uh three best friends they grew up together and they're in their 30s they're living in los angeles and they are in a transit all of the people that we're going to meet are in transitions and these guys end up kidnapping this this young, precocious, very intelligent young girl uh-huh. who is really running away. Yes. And she ends up... They kidnap her? The, the three guys surreptitiously kidnapped her okay. to protect her. Oh, okay. Now, the, and this comes out of a story from my life. I'm, I happen to be living in California at the time. Okay. And I'm in a grocery store, and this is years ago now. Right. And I'm walking down an aisle... And I see this uh, this woman treating this child poorly, uh-huh. y- yelling at her, um, really being incredibly, I mean, at that time, uh, cruel almost. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, a gentleman comes, now I'm a young kid, I'm 17 years old, but a, an older gentleman comes around the corner and he's well-dressed, he's in a suit, and he takes the girl's hand and says, Madam, that is no way to treat a child. Right. And I'm a young kid. I pass by, and they're having right. some words, and I leave. But that stuck in my memory. Uh-huh. So when I, I started, I wanted to write the story about a journey of uh, these 30-year-old men and a young girl. And that, that, that story had popped up. So what happens is they're in a store, a grocery store, and they see this girl uh, being abused by her, as she calls her, her step-down mom, uh-huh. who she doesn't get along with at all. Uh-huh. And... She ends up, that day, she was planning on running away. Uh-huh. But the guys get involved with it. Okay. Now, Webb, the main protagonist, the main character, he has an issue because he had a childhood issue okay. with his own father. So it comes back to him. He has a flashback uh-huh. of his, his uh, it's sounding like it's not a comedy, but it is, it's, it is hilarious. <laughs> so he, he grabs her. There's some words between him, uh-huh. the woman, and his his friends, and they take off running. All of a sudden, she got. They jump in their van, and they're boom. They're heading out. There's a van. There's, okay, there's go a on. van, and they're <laughs> heading. They're heading out, and all, all of a sudden, the girl's name is Missouri, and they're heading out of town. And then one of the guys says, "What the hell? Uh-huh. Who is she?" And then they go, well, "There's going to be an Amber Alert. Right. And we're right. going to be arrested." And they. Right. So we're protecting her. There's an argument in the van, and, and the girl finally says, there's not going to be an Amber Alert. <laughs> and they go, why? Oh. <laughs> they all ask, now, why isn't there an Amber Alert? Because her step-down mom and her, her, her real dad uh-huh. are doing something very illegal. Oh. And she happens to have the money that they've collected in her backpack <laughs> that these guys don't know about okay. yet. So they, she, the girl knows that they're not going to call the police. But, but Missouri is the girl's name, and she wants to connect with her real mom. She had mm. just found out she, her mom's alive, and she happens to live in Branson, Missouri. Okay. And she's so. on her way. Oh. to. They, there's a road trip. 
Oh, it's always funny when there's a road trip. It is great. Always. It is great. So these guys, oh now gosh, the st- step-down mom, the dad, and his this mafiosa guy uh-huh. are in a car together chasing them and along chasing. She's got the money. She's got the money. No one knows her. about they it. Just they want don't. The money. Yes, and the guys have committed now to taking her. her back to see her mom oh that's great and they have and they have a, you know a raucous time being chased there is a police detective who's retiring that happened to know webb when he was a little boy okay and all this culminates together that from the police detective to the this, the uh, uh the mafiosa guy with the step-down mom mm-hmm. and the dad and these three guys all these culminate in Branson, Missouri. At some point, uh, there, there's and the mother and the and their story comes together uh, at a at a fantastic uh, pinnacle at the end of the film. Um, Missouri has is changing into a woman at that time during the during the transition. She's getting her first period on the oh, road. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Okay, well, gotcha. Well, yeah, she gets her period and the guys <laughs> yeah. don't know. They're 30 years old. Right. They've never... So they handle it with such a humorous way <laughs> and, uh, and and just it's a and a very emotional time for the uh-huh. guys and the girl who really wanted that day to be shared with her mother but couldn't because mm. she, she wasn't right. with her. So... That's kind of the long. I don't need the log line. That's a heck right. of a log yeah, line. That was a, yeah, that's um, a, so I'm get, that is almost done. It's supposed okay. to be uh, the end of uh, spring. Is the my, you know, in my mental mind mm-hmm. to have that complete, and that and that is that'll be completed and. So and okay, I have like seventy five questions. Where would you like to start? We'll start with one. Start okay. with seventy eight. <laughs> so do I you, just went to over. Do you, um, I know I got that. I'm like, wait, I'm not there yet. So do you, when you're writing a film, do you, or a screenplay, do you already have the characters, like, who might play them pictured in your head? Like, do you imagine this actor in the role, or do you, are they, I typically are they, never, like, the characters themselves? They're characters themselves. I never, now for Webb Gardner, I'm not going to mention his name, but I do have a guy uh-huh. in mind who's, uh, I think, a great comedic actor. Okay. Uh, um, and he's the right age. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could change. Uh, now it's funny you mentioned that because my other screenplay, The Red Umbrella, okay. which is a period piece that I wrote, made a trailer, did a, a film trailer on. Mm-hmm. But this is how this happened. I'm volunteering for a, a program called Read to Me in the Prison System, where you go and you, re- the inmates read a book or mm-hmm. two, and I, I'll videotape them, and then that that book and the videotape is is sent to the child. And so the child oh, gets to see okay. their uh, grandfather, their father, their, 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 their brother, their uncle, mm-hmm. whoever it is. And then they're reading the, the book to them, a little message, and then they see him on video. So during that time, when I, um, the first few weeks I volunteered, I happened to go to the school mm-hmm. and go into the school and walk in. The doors were always unlocked, and I went into the school. Mm-hmm. And sat down with the inmates, the three, four, five, six, seven of them, and we did our film, mm-hmm. and, and they read the books. Now, on this one night, the door was locked, mm-hmm. so I had to go get the guard and have him unlock the door. And I know when I grabbed the handle, because I've done some construction, and I've, mm-hmm. I've installed doors, and a door height for a handle is about 32 inches. Mm-hmm. So it's like drinking a, you, you pour a glass of milk, and you're ready to drink it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's you grab the water and drink that by accident. Oh, right. Your brain says something. So when I grabbed the handle on the door, uh-huh. it was much lower than 32, and I physically oh, okay. felt that. So if you went out over to that door, it's 32. Uh-huh. You'd right. grab the door and it'd be okay. But if that right. handle was low, right. like 20 inches, right. you'd 28, wonder. you'd right. wonder what. So when I grabbed the door, I, I thought it was odd, and I went in and I was doing the filming, and then we had a break where I was waiting for a couple more inmates mm-hmm. to come up from lockup and i was saying hey what the door i noticed the door handles to the inmates are are lower than normal why is that and and one of the inmates said this was a school for wayward girls so here i am the one night late into the evening recording Uh these films i leave the prison i get in my car right i get to the end of the 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 driveway to get get out the gate Mm -hmm. and on the stone on this old stone I see school for wayward girls. You need to explain what that is. I don't think all my listeners a wayward, know what a wayward that means. T- well, yeah, it's schools that were yeah from uh, from the oh 50s, gosh 40s, 50s, oh 60s. that was the the pinnacle the height of right. of those schools that exist in the United States mm-hmm. and there are schools where uh, children would go if they got pregnant mm-hmm. if they were troublesome mm-hmm. if they had issues if, if parents abandoned them mm-hmm. there was lots of that in the country right. um and that it ended probably in the 70s mm-hmm. 72 at least the one i was in okay 72 it closed down and i think i believe there are uh, prisons for young people but the, those schools have ended mm-hmm. now so they're they're over with and so that for your listeners they were places for kids to go like i guess like reform school or or so forth um so right at that gate i come up with this line for the screenplay i knew i was going to write it and i had it written by the time i drove home i had the screenplay written in my head but it it read like this because i was thinking of the kids being there Mm -hmm. and i was thinking 1930s 40s 50s but um we are all, the line is, we are all born into this world, pure and unsculpted, and then we're touched by humans. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the first line in the screenplay that is uh, spoken now by the, in the screenplay by the daughter of the woman that was in the reform school. And the film is about five young women protagonists that are in this institution mm-hmm. and their life and their journey, what they went through there and what they went through afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, again, it's a, a beautiful story of hope and courage, mm-hmm. uh, people that came from nothing mm-hmm. and went on to live lives later on. Some is this of a them, documentary some of them. This, No, uh, this is all, all okay, it's you. all fiction. I came up with it, I've written it. Okay. Um, it's, it has won several writing awards, mm-hmm. made the trailer, the Red Umbrella it's mm-hmm. called. Um, I happen to, I think of the, one of the girls shows up to her very first day and she has her umbrella, uh, the, the only thing she's, uh, the only that, thing that she left from her home and she has her, her phone number written on her hand. You can see that in the trailer. Um, eventually it just, she never wanted to wash her hand, but it washed away because she thought that maybe she'd go home one day. So, and, and that's what you'll. You'll see, you'll see that in the trailer and then the screen display. So back to the question about developing. So I had, when developing those characters, it was no, mm-hmm. no actors, but I did have very particular people that would be a part of that film in creating, you know, characters. It's character-driven. Right. I think what's driven. interesting, though, about where your ideas come from 
is that you're you're in your life serving, right? You're taking your daughter to school. She's way out of school now. You're volunteer. <laughs> I know, but I mean, yeah. when those ideas came, or you're volunteering yeah. to help others, you know, giving to others by doing these videos. Um, you volunteer in other ways. Do you tell me about that at the the sisters? Yeah, I do uh, on uh, fr- uh, Monday and Friday. Well, it's not volunteer. It's, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's a job. It's a, it's a, it's a job. Okay. Um, you know, us filmmakers, independent filmmakers, we do whatever we can. Besides doing my <laughs> uh, working at Sisters of St. Mary's um, as a valet concierge, I help people. It's an right. extraordinary experience. And you meet I must so many say, different people through that. Oh, my so that's gosh. The thing. I mean, Hundreds of people a day. Right. You're helping people. In, and, the, you know, they're coming into the clinic and they're not doing well. Right. The only people that are really doing well are probably this, some of the mothers that bring their, their babies in for prenatal care. Mm-hmm. But most people that come in, you know, there's, there's you know, cancer. They're, 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 a variety of issue, issues they come in. I'm the first person they're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, and I always remember that. I always remember that. You know, in my, in my own personal life, the mm-hmm. trials and tribulations and struggles and suffering and things that I've gone through to mm-hmm. be compassionate and understanding and, you know, the phrase yeah. of, you know, walk in someone else's shoes. I'm well, very present and well aware of, of that. Uh, I, I think I always have been that way, but I think in, two, in 2013 I had been in an accident. I fell out of a tree oh. and I was injured pretty severely. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it really, that very moment I fell and thought that, you know, I could possibly pass mm-hmm. in those moments. And then days later, as I, you know, woke and I was very dependent on people. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, cha- you know, the, the chemicals in your brain change. It changed me okay. in terms of m- even being more perceptive and in tune with myself mm-hmm. as a as a man as a human and understanding things there's many things i don't understand right. but it did change my life in in that way so mm-hmm. i you know i you know worked that into my life so i this opportunity came up actually it, it happened after i had been in, injured i was walking in well i was in crutches at that point to mm-hmm. see the doctor and guy was standing there. I started talking to him and he said, hey, we got this thing. And so I said, hey, why not? And it was like, you know, and I was having nightmares, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, when you get hurt or think whatever was trying to work right. out in my mind, I was having nightmares and, and you know, things that happen or, you know, if it sounds too uh, esoteric, uh, you know, a voice is saying, you know, go to the people, go to the people, go to the people, whatever that was. Right. Maybe it meant I needed to go grocery shopping. <laughs> A lot of things so come maybe back to the was. grocery store for I, you. I, yeah. should, I should mention I do. That, yeah, but. I love the grocery store. <laughs> I love hanging out there. But I, so anyway, maybe this was it. I, I meet people. I'm helping right. them. I, ha, I, ha, I hold people's hands. Right. They cry. They're thankful. They're, they, I make them laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I give them hope. They give me hope. I give them courage. I give them courage. They're passing. Right. They have a few months maybe to live. It's it's an amazing experience, and it's the gift. It's a gift to me that I'm able to serve in that way. Was this something you did before the accident? This is like this is the part I love about doing this show is that I don't know the stories coming in, so you know my questions just go all over the place. Sure. Did were, did you do that kind of work before the accident, or was it really after that that you got into that well, line of work? I think, as I said, I. I've always been trying to help others. Mm-hmm. 
and family, friends, to the best of my ability, with the best of my skills and knowledge, and giving my time, you know, mm-hmm. going to the prison and doing the prison thing and volunteering there and giving time. You know, when they when I was interviewed, you know, they do a security background and the mm-hmm. interviewed to get in. You know, the guy mm-hmm. said, if I the, the guy who interviewed me said in a class of about 30 people, he said, if I'm really doing my job today, you won't volunteer mm-hmm. because it's it's hard it's hard to see people that have been you know we there's murders and drug addicts and drug dealers and things people have done some horrible things Mm -hmm. and on the other side i i said to the guy in a private meeting when he said why do i want to do this i said you know these uncles and fathers and sons they did the crime the child did not do the crime we must lift them up we must make sure they're okay then we have institutionalized people committing and doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we must reach out and help. We can't turn away and turn our back on people like that. I have a philosophy, if you see someone in the street, you just don't step over them or around them. You know, you help as much as you can. And you do that, especially for children, you know, because like us, we're adults. We know what's around the corner because we've been around the corner mm-hmm. and we've seen that kids do not mm-hmm. they're they're apprehensive they're nervous they have anxiety they have many issues especially today there's so much coming at them if we can't care about them and say hey you're going to be fine we're going to get through this you're going to make it to the next day and you're going to achieve greatness whatever it is mm-hmm. and greatness doesn't mean you're going to be on a stage you know right. getting an award somewhere greatness could yeah. be you know with the arm's reach of your arm Mm-hmm. to engender your kindness or your knowledge to someone else to lift them up mm-hmm. that is getting back to magic that's magic right paying it forward Pay, paying it Every forward day. yeah yes paying it forward so that always existed um i think the importance of it to me resonated really at the accident and the and that day after when i was um you know coming uh, coming awake and mm-hmm. you know i actually i turned the tv on and i the news was on and I don't watch the news mm-hmm, today right. uh, I know what's going on in the world mm-hmm. I, I've always known I'm very aware of what's going on mm-hmm. in the world but do I need to see people killing each other mm-hmm. uh, mur- you know the murders and, and the horrible things that are happening happening right. on the streets all over the country of the world I know it exists right. it's existed since the beginning of time I don't need to be besieged with this so exactly. on that day when I turned that on I remember the TV and I I said to myself I wrote in my journal um, which was my iPad now, uh-huh. <laughs> up to date, uh, that uh, if I had woken from a sleep and never existed before in the history of my life, I would think the world has gone totally insane from the news the right. l- first three minutes. And, and I turned it off, and I turned it back on and turned on Mayberry RFD. Uh-huh. and watched that and laughed and then wrote and got things mm-hmm. together and got life together but you know not that I need to go back to maybe our RFD none of us do but right. um, just in terms of the processes of thinking you know when you bring good things into your life mm-hmm. you'll you'll put good things out into the world mm-hmm. that's, that's my feeling yeah. you know I mean whether you want to embrace that or any or the listeners you know do good things you know enrich your life by bringing good things into it mm-hmm. And, and listen to, you know, listen to beautiful music, things that inspire you. Look at paintings and paint. Paint, draw, write, create, build. 
cut a board and nail it together and make a box <laughs> and get into it and right. protect yourself because it's a dangerous world out there. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's uh, the so way that's that was going. I, knew, I didn't bo- see it going that way. Get out of the box. It could go anyway. You know. But it's so true. And actually, create. to be honest, that's a consistent message across every conversation that I have with people. You know, all the you know, inspiring people that have come on the show, it's consistently what you feed your mind and your soul is what you can then in turn give out. So if we, you know, that that's why I don't watch the news because it shuts down my light. It's, it, it, I can't cope with seeing it. Like I can't undo seeing those things. And then I'm not giving my best to people. So it's really about fueling that yourself for the good. You know? Absolutely. And that's helping the fuel. people is so, oh, you know, when you know you're helping someone, it's... I'm helping myself. Right. When I help, I'm making mine, I'm finding out about someone, I'm getting, you know, uh, getting to the next. And uh, it's a good thing. It's it's a um, good thing. what is the... What is the next thing? So we know you have screenplays, we know you have these movies that you're working on, but what is, like, is there something else that's sort of calling your attention that's new and different that you haven't worked on before? Yes, there is, actually. There is. And this happened... We didn't even preview preview that question. We didn't. yeah. Here it is. This is another piece I'm working on. I've never done this before. It's a theater piece. Okay. And this happened a year ago, my daughter, and she's fine. She was in the hospital. Okay. And she's in the emergency room. Okay. And we... I walk out into the lobby with my wife, and we're talking about her, my daughter. And I, I stopped, I stopped at the, I stopped her, us in the middle of our conversation, and I said, "She is never going to know this conversation we had about her in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. She is never going to have that information, mm-hmm. ever, because we're not going to tell her." Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and says, "You need to rest, Frank." <laughs> no, she, no, she said, "Yeah, I know." And then I really. You know that really resonated with me about the con, and it it really came about a conversations that parents have about children. Mm -hmm. There are millions of them Mm -hmm. in in a parent's lifetime, and there, you know, there isn't a there isn't a picket fence in the world of anyone's life. If someone's selling you that, if you listeners, young people, young families. Don't strive for that picket fence. Just strive for connecting. And you're going to have lows and highs and be embrace real. them and be yeah. real because it's real. Mm-hmm. And life is hard. The real is the Life best. is hard. Fake real is fa- oh, fake is, is no good. No the picket fences don't exist. They're painted and paint peels away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not real. So life is real. Uh, raising a family is difficult because it's you and the kids and then the, the outside world. Mm-hmm is going to come in and we'll use the word interfere, but it interferes in your scheme of things and it's not going to go that way. You have different personalities. You know, they have the genes of myself, my, like my, my personal life. My children have the genes of my myself, my wife, their family, the families before that, and all these genes are, and they're, they're there. And right. so I started thinking about that and that, and that process that parents go to. And I, you know, as I talk to friends and families and, and parents that go through things and struggle with things and parents are, one, one guy, so I was at a garage sale kidding with this, uh, this young guy. He's mm-hmm. just had two kids. They're like five and seven. And he says to my wife, how can, why is he so uh, making jokes all the time? And this was just, <laughs> I met him like for 10 minutes. And she told me that later. And he goes, oh, he just sees life differently. Mm-hmm. And I see see it in joy. Even the hard things that I've gone through, I look at 
comedy to bring me back, mm-hmm. always. I always look at comedy, my own comedy, I'll write or see something funny in it. Um, but he was struggling and worried about his children already mm-hmm. in that journey. At the clinic, I'm holding the hand of a 102-year-old woman mm-hmm. in the clinic, 102, 101, I think she was. She was waiting for her son, who was 78 years old, oh my and worried that he was 15 minutes late. So a parent's life and journey of their children is with them forever until Mm -hmm. they're until they're gone. And so I've developed this. I wanted to be a stage play Mm -hmm. uh, where we see the you know it's a darkened theater. In the theater now are the children. Mm -hmm. The viewers will be the children, whether they're adults now or children Mm -hmm. themselves. Uh, And it's the conversations of several different parents having from birth it's a darkened theater and we hear a baby cry Mm -hmm. and the mother and father are having a debate of who's going to get up and get the baby to bring for the feeding and and then the lights go up and we start the journey and the conversation begins with right there the baby now that conversation they're having about arguing about who's going to get the baby so the mother can breastfeed Mm -hmm. uh, and and that scene is the child's never going to hear about it Mm -hmm. they don't know Three in the morning, four in the morning, one in the morning, whatever that is. They don't know what the parents did that mm-hmm. that day for them or the, the continuous journey of that. So I thought, hey, that's a great story. It is. Like, and I'm actually more, almost crying just thinking of all the stories. Yeah, I'm going to start crying because you're crying now. I know, that's what right? The, Sorry. No, it's no, great. I you know, know, when I tell parents about yeah. it. They love the idea. I do. They love do. the idea. And from both levels. Like, I think of... Um, all the stories my boys haven't heard, you know, all the conversations they haven't heard, obviously. Yeah. But then also, my mom, she kind of gave me this gift along life where she would tell me some of those stories that I didn't know. Like, I'm going to start literally crying. I can't even believe it. Like, one of them was, um, I always had ear infections when I was young, like, really bad. I was, I was like the one in my family out of four of us. And you know Mike, so you know are a little bit more than just me, uh, that always got sick. And I had ear infections all the time when I was young. And my mom said... My dad, even though he worked like really long hours at his job, he would be the one up all night walking and like just pacing the floor with me because it was more comfortable to me for me to be like in that position of being carried. So he would care, walk the floors for hours carrying me around the house to like help me rest. Mm. And I'm like, I never knew that. Like you don't remember that as a kid. Um, but those are the things. And she told me a few of those other stories along the years that I, they're probably some of my most cherished things that she shared. Yeah, you know... And if your mom told you that when you were 14? Right. Yeah. And, and telling you, you later in life? I was a much nicer teenager. Yeah. I was horrible to my dad when oh, I was a teenager. I think teenagers are really tough on... on well, you know, their frontal lobes are still like <laughs> mayonnaise. I know. It was you know, they're developing. The you want to get them through the journey, though. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I just... That's a new piece I'm, I'm developing and working the, on and I, like it, 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 I think it'd be lovely and a beautiful story and then the actors you know and we I got the set built in my mind and how we'll just transition and go into the story up um, until the death and the then the and, and then the children right. you know ends with the children having baby you know the conversation begins and we may tie that together with that very first conversation of the parents becomes the conversation of the child with their their newborn in there so that that is really going to be well you tell the hard stories too like one of the things i was a sort of an avid scrapbooker or life documenter for a little while and 
Sometimes I'd like to, I would tell the hard stories. Like I have this one about my younger son. Uh, he has a, he has a vision disability and like that, like what my husband and I were going through at the time, knowing if he would be able to see, you know? And, um, I wanted to tell that story like in the, like the real sense of what it felt like. And so I told that story. But I think a lot of people, when they document their lives through whatever method, they tell all the happy, happy moments, like Facebook, you know, the Facebook version. Yeah. But right. they don't tell the struggle moments as much. And so do you, will you be telling all of that in this particular screenplay? Yeah. Do you think? Well, because, you know, the, there are those times, right. you know, those early hours. Uh, you know, the, the call from uh, a kid getting in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, that <laughs> um you know the uh the call the kid got in tr- trouble doing something the mm-hmm. call where the kid you know passed the acts the you know they they discovered something new oh um you know i i <laughs> my daughter and lives in new york lily she's in new york now and uh she uh yeah i'd sing this song to him at night when they'd go to sleep and I often change the lyrics of songs, and uh-huh. she dis- <laughs> not surprising. Dis- yeah, dis- she, later on she discovered. She called me because she said, uh, "Dad, you changed the lyrics on that song." <laughs> and she discovered the song later on. Some friend had played it or something. She heard it on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, but you know that came back the story, the the the, uh, the journey of life. You know the how it just keeps how, going. the circle of life. Right. You know, like in The Lion King. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. I might have seen that the movie about 250 times. You've forgotten who you are. Never forget who you are, Zimba. <laughs> Never forget. I love that movie. Great movie. I Great story. That. I know. It's a good one. I know. Watched it with him. I quote the movie. But they, uh, you know, she goes, so they, you know, she was listening. Mm-hmm. She was listening. Right. So, yeah. When you think they aren't. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so that, that all, so, so that's a story there. And then, you know, uh, through the years, of course, I have uh, friends and their stories of their mm-hmm. children, their, their triumphs and disappointments, the, you know, so lo- loss of a child, the, the triumphs, tribulations, all that stuff mm-hmm. around. It's a beautiful whole concept. Yeah, it. it'll be, I, I really yeah. think it is, and it hasn't been done, and it's going to be done, so... But it's going to be done. It's going it's to be going done. To be it's going to be done. It's gone. It's, it's done. Here. We have it documented. It's now it's going to be out. Now that it's into Friday, the world. We can, and know. we are live, right? Get <laughs> that out. It's proprietary. No. So I think everybody's going to need to know where they can find you. Right here at the Firefly, the Firefly right now. But, um, I always give mine to people ask me at my, you know, when you check into places, right. like at the, oh, yeah, yeah. wherever, they say, could we get your number? Yeah, but I'm not there right now. <laughs> Eight three five two six. No, that number is disconnected. <laughs> so, wow! Find me on the internet at frankgcaruso.com. Okay. Anything there? Just Google Everything the name or okay. Yahoo it and really see what comes up. <laughs> Whew, boy, that's yeah, crazy right. there. Yeah, I think I did do. Yeah, do the Yahoo and the Google. You're going to get a whole different story. If this is really a good idea. Just don't go on, uh, Google <laughs> Frank Caruso. There is one. The mafiosa in Chicago. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> Uh, that his profile will come up. He's on. He's on the lamb right now. So is that why? You, is he really seriously? Yeah, the G is in. It's my name. You know, it's the G is my initial. Right. I own it. But you had uh, to go with that. For it, yeah, just for safety. Yeah. Just so the I get through the airport quicker that way. Okay, good. Oh, you're not him. <laughs> so, so it's safe that way. Is though. that why you don't live in Chicago as well? Just I never know. go there anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, no, because of my name. I just. <laughs> I fly in, I land on the John Hancock building uh-huh. and take, oh, right. take the elevator down in one minute. Oh, 
It's a quick elevator. You ever been to John Hancock? <laughs> I have. It's you ever walk to the edge though. of the window? Is it? No, that is. That, that was thinking of Sears Go Tower. to the top floor of the John Hancock and walk. They let you walk to the edge of the window. I haven't. Been and there. then they have a thing where you can step inside these windows. They got like eight cages. Yeah. And then they lean you out into the right. the streets. Not without wearing depends. <laughs> I would never do that without wearing depends. Are you wearing depends now? Do I need to know Always. That? <laughs> At my age. Why do you think I've been slipping around this chair all morning? That's no. So, that's so not good. No, it's all good. I'm kidding, kids. So, no, but it is, yeah. Just I slide them on the other side of the table yeah, right slip now. Slip sliding really... away. Slip sliding. You know, they have the Pampers away. Cruisers now. So. Yeah, right. Jeez. <laughs> that's a joke for my son. That's Get a good it. one. Yeah. He's a good one. He's a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. I think it's time. It's over. I'm so glad we had this. <laughs> podcast together i don't know how to make it end or make it well stop. let's not end it let's just keep it going there's no other questions nothing oh no i have lots of other questions but uh, were we at we're what like are, how many hour oh we're over an hour and you'll edit it down to 10 minutes <laughs> what's no, going to be the first line i don't know probably me laughing going it works it works we got it together yeah we got the uh, it's all the technology that <laughs> We need an audio guy. Oh, my gosh. If we would have only time-lapsed that, it would have been such a classic. So my other question, if you really want to know, one of them was... How tall am I? I know that already because I... Six one. And, oh, good to know. Yeah. Um, so I do ask that question a lot, actually. My weight? No, don't. You'll never that. guess my weight. I'm not actually, on, I'm not we should record this it. because it's impossible to guess my weight. <laughs> You'll be th- at least 30 pounds. Go ahead, guess my weight. You'll stand never up. guess. Stand up. I'm going to stand up now. Hold so on, I everybody. can take a, a I'm full body look Full at body you. look. She yeah. didn't look at me before. I didn't look at him before. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay, I just stood up. So he's 6'1". I'm going to guess her weight. Um, yeah, and she won't even come close. 197. Wow, that's the highest anyone's guessed. <laughs> that is the high- I'm a. am f- just a fat blob. No. <laughs> well, 217. Okay, so still I was 20 People usually off. get, now here's weird. So, okay. People guess 165 pounds. Really? When I was 13, I was 165 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. See, I'm off the charts because of my bone density. Right. So That's when, they, when the doctors see me, they think I need to lose weight. And I said, well, you'll have to break my bones and remove them. Okay. Because the, I am never know. guessing anyone's weight again. Don't just guess. for the record. No, I do that because even weight. the nurses can't guess my, they guess 165. Really? Yeah. It's the bone density, so the charts are wrong now. Oh, I think it's because I have I have a bone density um, translator in my brain. Like I can, I can actually yeah, and then I, I well, factor in bone density, yeah. so that's probably why that happened. Well, they uh, they're wrong. <laughs> So I'm a healthy 217. Okay, good to know. I'm gonna, I I've just okay. ordered some cheeseburgers. Note to self, next time say like way healthy under what I think. Yeah, well, men, men aren't, I, I don't think right. men are too right. weird about their weight. Yeah. Are they? I don't, know I don't care. I only know me, so. Yeah. And I'm super weird about Oh, it's all right. That and age don't talk about either of those things. Yeah, age is. You can say what you, I Age is what it is. That. Age is what it is. Okay, so my question that had nothing to do with your weight or your age or what having you have to stand up and do a full body scan, all of that. Now it's awkward. We made it awkward. No, it's great. We totally did. <laughs> oh, I can stand up again. I'll stand on this no, chair. No, no. Okay, so you lived in New York and California. And you're I lived in New York, here. California, yeah. Why? Why would you do that Airplane. What? Airplane, got on an airplane. Well, what happened was I had met my wife at a mm-hmm. flea market. 
San Jose Flea Market, the largest flea market okay. in the country. It's okay. hu- it's, it goes for miles. Okay, San Jose. Miles. Okay, that's San Jose, California. Great flea markets. Where is yeah. that? Is that it's near? in San Jose. No, I got that. Like more, is that northern or southern? That's, uh, well, it's <laughs> it's 30 miles south of San Francisco. Okay. 28 to be exact. San Jose know. is south of San Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that's where I'm going. On Beautiful. Thursday, on when? Thursday. Not San Jose. What are San you Francisco. seeing out there? Um, I'm going to a really cool um, retreat kind of thing. Oh my with gosh! Girlfriend. So I'm flying into San Francisco, and we are. Oh, you're lucky. That's going to be great. Road tripping it down to Oxnard. Oxnard by Europe. guard. Yeah. That's by, great. Yeah. Do you know your way to San Jose? There you go. I knew there was a sign. Yeah. Okay. So I there was a flea market there, and I'm six one, obviously. Obviously. And yeah. all the vendors you were are probably like one seventy two. I was lighter right? than. I was. I was. That was a while back. (laughs) So anyway, I was wondering. What happened was my brother was dating her sister, and he couldn't make it to pick them up, so I picked them up. Okay. And I was wondering. And now I'm at the San Jose flea market, and nearly all the vendors are of Spanish descent, so they're they're not 6'1". So I stood out of the crowd. I mean, I'm really tall. That's right. Amazon. You know, I'm like a mountain there. So I'm very... I, I'm Unlike when you live around here where everyone's Norwegian. Norwegian and, okay. and the girth is, is yeah. tremendous here. It's great. So, so anyway, um, you, you stand out. So I stood out and then I the said, girls. hey, I saw, I saw him and met him. Uh-huh. And then uh, I helped her carrying. She bought a velvet painting of Elvis. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hopefully she'll never hear this. And so I was carrying some painting of hers and okay. we, we hit it off. Okay. And then and we went was, out. Uh, this was a long time ago. Yeah, right. But we, so you were in New York. How did you get to California? New York. You grew up in New York. New York. I'm in New York. Right. I I left left school early. Oh, okay. I'm literally. This is gonna. But no one knows this. Oh, but we all know. It's My all family knows it. Uh, no one's asked me ever. But oh. I'll tell you what happened. Oh, now the podcast. We're gonna have to have a part two. We're gonna have to have a You'll have to cut this up because people want. Well, they listen to it when they. The, the, the neat thing about podcasts is you can play it while you're working. Right. They can just and they can pause it and then yeah. come back to it if it's two hours. The you so, know there are two hour podcasts. Sure. There are four hour podcasts. But those are famous people. Oh, what are you saying? Yeah. Anyway, you're whatever. famous. No, I'm not. But go on. So here it is. So <laughs> and I don't advise this for anybody. Okay. Okay. But so. I'm 16. Okay. All right. I'm out of school now. Quit school. Took off. My my mom had left my dad. Okay. Um, good thing. That's the good thing. Okay. And uh, we are uh, pretty destitute. So the two of you take off. My mom. No, no. My oh. mom. Okay. And my younger brother. Okay. We move out of the house. We took off. We got an apartment. Okay. Uh, and uh, in a really, because we could afford a really raunchy neighborhood, that's where we wanted to be. <laughs> right, So right. we could get broken into and have windows that close, you know. Yeah. What's the joke? Awesome. Every time I went to close a window, there were someone's hands in it. Oh. And, and a, a guy pulled a knife on me, and I knew he was an amateur because there was butter on it. That, that's a Rodney Dangerfield joke, which incredible comedian. But anyway, so that's the neighborhood. You know, okay. there, were, there was a bar York. on every floor, not on every corner. Oh, nice. That's my joke. City. Well, it's actually in upstate New York. Okay. Oh, upstate so, New York. So, yeah. It sounds a lot less scary when you put it that Oh, it's way. the same. Sorry. Yeah, I know. We, we can say it's New York, 250 miles away. Right. Okay. 
So we got out of there, and uh, we got to a place, and, you know, we're, we're, uh, my mom's pretty destitute, never worked. So we're we're here trying to make it. She gets a job as a waitress. I I ended up leaving school. Well, you know, back then, and because we don't have, if I was on the internet now, back then when I was sixteen, I'd think, oh, my life sucks. Right. But without the internet and all the other, right. You know, outside, <laughs> my life is great. Right. So it's an adventure now. I'm leaving. Of course, it was sad, and you no, know, I for mean, my for mother, mom, for my mom, it, it was very it was very hard for my mom. Uh, but she did it. And, uh, got the apartment. I ended up just leaving high school and mm-hmm. and uh, getting a job at a <laughs> an underwear factory Fun. called Lolly Manufacturing. Lolly. They, they're not in exist any any anymore. Thank goodness. This is amazing. Right. So we go right. in, and I, I was to go to school. I, I was, get to go make underwear. I, I awesome. to, well, I I was working on this big steam press. Okay. Where I would load rolls of cotton mm-hmm. into a machine it steamed it and stretched it and okay. i had that physically this the the uh the, co- the cotton and the wool they were start stitch stitched together okay. on the ends and i'm physically holding the stitch that runs along this the the machine uh-huh. to hold it in place so it runs through and stretches it okay very but- archaic Right. So it would stretch it, fold it down at the other end in 80-foot sheets. And okay. it would fold it and get it done. And it was a big barrel. And this place was 110 in the in the oh. winter. In the winter, oh, yeah. this factory had the windows and doors open. It was still, I mean, they are washing in machines as big wow. as Priuses. You know, they're, they're huge. And they're <laughs> right, washing. Right. And, and I'm, all, I'm working around all these older, <laughs> older drunks and... Right. Dare, I mean, 16. really, I'm 16 and I'm work, and it is rough. It's a rough place. Right. It's a rough place. These yeah, are it's rough. Like a, it's like a literal. It's sweatshop. a sweatshop. Yeah, because right. you'd walk out into the other room, push the cart out of of uh, a fabric, and uh-huh. there are 50 women sewing. Okay. Okay. On sewing machines. So a literal sweatshop at yep. 16. And, Got then, it. and then I'm seeing for the first time. I'm seeing these labels. I'm seeing Sears. Uh-huh. On the label, I'm seeing Montgomery Wards. Uh-huh. That was a store. I'm seeing J.C. Penney on all the same labels in the same place. Right. So you what realize is, they're all making. The they're same all making the same thing. Right. So, uh, anyway, my cousin, one weekend comes from <laughs> <cousin>. Chicago. <laughs> from Chicago. From Chicago. You're not Frank. You're not like undercover. Like I'm not undercover. Protection. No, not yet. Frank not yet. Anyway, <laughs> so he is. Uh, <laughs> He's got a good job at a moving company making some good money. Uh-huh. And I'm making nothing, like two ten an hour, not even that. I think it was like a dollar seventy five maybe. Wow. Um and he's making like eight bucks an hour in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I said to my mom, Here's an opportunity. I'll go with Glenn and we'll go and I'll make some more money and I'll uh-huh. send you money and maybe you can come. That doesn't sound mafia at all, but go not on. yet, but it gets there. No. <laughs> and so I end up leaving that day. Let it quit my job. Wow. Uh, you've heard of the two week notice? Yeah, yeah. This was the two second notice. The two second notice. And I don't Those advise are fun, though. give your notice, kids. But, that's but fun. I got out of there. Anyway. It was a rough crowd in there, boy. But I could take a punch. I can one thing about me, I can take a punch. Well that's because you have dense bones. Right. Exactly. Right. So Anyway, we, we go to Chicago. I start working, and uh, I'm making money, um, working in the city, moving offices, moving homes, working on working with line drivers on the weekends, getting cat, paid cash. Mm-hmm. And then November came, and my cousin decided to move back home. To New York. So my, to New York, back home. Yeah, I'm right. not going back home. Right, I'm right. never going back there. Right, I'm saying right. I am not going back there. So... 
in the United Van Lines office where I work mm-hmm. is a map, a giant map, uh-huh. a life-size map of the United oh, no. States. Where is this going? It's a life-size map. Is it really map. going here? So it is. So here's this map, and I see all the United agents with, you know, they right. had a string and then pointing out. And right. I followed one to California, and I saw um, Redwood City. And I thought, hey, oh, I that sounds that cool. Place. Redwood City. I know that place. Redwood trees, right? Right, right. So I'm 16. I'm thinking I'm getting in my car. So I got 80 bucks. You and a I, car. And I got a car. And I got a landline. And I called my mom. I said, Mom, <laughs> I think I'm going to California. And she goes, be careful. That was it. Crazy. So I get, I call. I get the number to Redwood City. And mm-hmm. I call Redwood City. Mm-hmm. And I say, hello, this, this is, is long distance. Well, it was the, I was calling oh. the, <laughs> in the shop there. The shop, right. So I called the guy and his name was Stan Hertzberg. Of course. Right. And what so I, I, he, I didn't know it at the time, but I, he's on the phone and he's the, the running the place out right. there. I go, this is, my name is Frank Caruso and I'm working in Chicago. I've worked uh, almost a year here and I'd like a moving job. When I come out there, would you be able to provide that for me? And I don't think I sound that articulate. I think I was crying. Like, <laughs> give me a job. And he goes, kid, if you come out here, I'll give you a job that day. Oh, so kid. I get that. on the, get yeah. in my car, drive out. Some had an accident on wow. the way in Wyoming. And by co- yourself. Covered from the, uh, no cell phone. By $80 yourself. by myself. And you're 16. 16. 16 my guitar in the back. Ju- and I get out you there in four days. You just like a thousand times cooler in sleeping, like the last 30 seconds. Maybe 2,000. <laughs> so, and I'm, you know, I'm sleeping in my car. Yeah. You know, along the way, it's winter. It's now right. November. Oh, right. And my birthday is November 8th. So I'm, oh. I'm heading out, you know, it's just almost my birthday. So I get to California. And I go in, I find United Van Lines LDM Moving Service in Redwood right. City. I pull up to the place. It's just a big warehouse. And I'll, I walk in and all these guys are coming out, ruffling right. and tumbling and coming right. out there, bear bellies and <laughs> probably guava bellies because we're in California. <laughs> I don't know. So I go up there and I said, excuse me, my name's Frank Caruso. And I talked to a Stan and I mispronounced his name. Right. And he's <laughs> the guy I'm talking to. Oh. And he goes, you're Frank Caruso? And he turns around and everyone in the office, he goes, hey, this kid just came from Chicago. We're going to give him a job. Oh. That's what he did. He yelled it. Oh. And that was it. I love he that He put story. me in the warehouse and I went to work, nine bucks an hour. I was nice. rich. Yeah. And uh, I called my mother 18 months later. I, you know, I had a place. I was living in a... You didn't call her till 18 months uh, later? No, I got her moved out and 18 months oh, okay, later. Gotcha. Got her a place. Oh. I ended up living, well, (laughs) this is crazy. (laughs) The only place I could afford was this hotel. It was called the Cal Hotel, which was short for California Hotel, like Uh the the great song, Hotel California. Right. But it was a dump. I'm not surprised. had 32 rooms. (laughs) And I'm telling you, this table we're sitting at, (laughs) inside it was furnished Uh with a mat, a chair, and a shower. Literally, I had to buy soap on a rope. Because it was so small, I had to go in sideways, <laughs> and the spout was near my belly button. <laughs> so it was, it was called a bath shower. Okay. So I'd get, and it was so small, it was a dump, but I was thankful I was there. Right. I was very thankful that sunny. I had a place. And you're in California. Sunny California, and I was working and making right. some money right. and, you know, meeting some wonderful people and... So just cool. it grew 18 months. I mean, there's a story even behind that. I met another guy who became uh, probably my best friend in life. 
at the time, he's passed since. His name's Mark Horan. Uh, wonderful story there, our journey and his journey, um, his life. He just debris, he was a quadriplegic when he seven years old. He had an operation, and the things we did together. Today, when I think of it, because I had just I just been in California uh, just this past year and oh, okay. went to see his mom. Oh. And I was telling her the things we did that no one would do even today under uh-huh. the, the the circumstances that we did. I mean, we went to Hawaii and we're surf. I'm surfing with Mark, He's who's a quadriplegic, on a surfboard oh with no life jackets, and oh we are gosh. on a freaking surfboard. And the first wave hits us. He goes under. I go. I get him. There's no ropes. Not. I mean, it was crazy. Is this for real? That's for or is real. This one of your no, that is a players. real story. That Holy is real. crap! We did crazy stuff. And he loved it. We loved it. We had a great, he was a great, great human, great, great person. Oh, my gosh. And I, and I, I really love, love Mark. How old were you when you went to Hawaii? Well, I, we were, I was probably 21, 22 years old. So, like, you came from, like, nothing. And t- tickets were so cheap back then oh, and okay. over California. And then this other buddy I met worked for <laughs> Continental Airlines, and he got me free tickets. Oh, my god! Got me in first class. <laughs> so I was drinking like a... Uh, out of control and first and Mark and I, I mean it was just it was crazy so we'd go over there and do things and hung out and, and just, do things yeah just have fun and do crazy kidding. physical you know right. physical stuff that Mark really couldn't do right. and no one in their right mind really a young guy like me right. who was you know willing to take a challenge mm-hmm. and go you know really now at, at my age and knowing what can happen I'd never take him out on a surfboard mm-hmm. you know on a wave that could throw him I could lose him right. his dead weight literally know? you could lose him I didn't even think I thought we're just gonna have a ball <laughs> and, and did that don't so. you wish we could think that way forever I'd be dead Right. I probably Still, well. That's probably that's why I, my 2013 accident climbing that tree 30, uh-huh. 32 feet oh. and having a you know but still. Getting up there and having the branch break, yeah. you know, over that, you know, it just happened. That's probably why the ATV flipped on me. The what? I, I had an ATV land on. on oh my like gosh! A 360 and it oh, on me. did you have a helmet? Rolled like three, six times. Oh jeez. Um, I didn't. I was in my backyard. Oh, that hurt. That had I to hurt. I didn't hit my head though. So yeah, that question. I got out to California and then <laughs> back to the my wife thing. Though I met my wife and she yes, lived that's here. Where you, were. you you know you want to be near a woman's family. Yeah. Because she's close yeah. to him. So came back here. I could do what I do anywhere. Right. And California. Did. Oh yeah. We'll probably. I don't miss things. Mm-hmm. People. Places. Replace it. No, I don't miss it because I can go there. My mom's there still mm-hmm. at eighty-eight. Oh. Yeah. What, what? What? She lives in Palo Alto. Yep, she made it there, had a wonderful life. You know, people say, my mom's 88, and as like anything, soon she'll right. pass right. As, as she ages. And she's doing fine right now, but she'll pass. And, you know, I hear it when I go to funerals now, as I get older, more people are passing. And I hear people say they lived a good life. And honestly, when I hear that, I hear that because my mother's getting closer to death. And I can hear people say she had a good life. And, but the truth of that is my mom didn't have a good life until she was 50 until she left home her home and moved to california that's when my mother started having a good life to get away from the her life back there what a beautiful thing you gave her yeah it is i'll admit it now i don't (laughs) really you know well the the thing is you know you're young and you do those things you do it because you do it 
Well, you don't even think about it. You do right. it, and you love your my mom right. out of there as a very proud private, you know. I think we would do anything for our parents or our yeah. children or our family. That's the thing. I mean, so yeah, it's a beautiful thing that you did, but who wouldn't, yeah. right? Who wouldn't? Yeah, do that? Was, you know, it's a proud, proud thing for my mom. Right. Yeah. So what about your brother? Where is he? He's there. He's there. My too? brother's there. My mother came out with my brother because mm-hmm. he's younger. And then my sister followed shortly oh, after. So too. my miss, okay. my sister came out after. Maybe okay. a, you know, I don't know. She'll question me on this one. Maybe a year later. Okay. Right in there, and she came out. We all had an apartment together then because we could afford it. Uh-huh. And then my mom got a nice job at uh, Stanford University, worked there for oh. years. And my sister met a a nice boy and fell in love and oh. is married. Has two kids. I'm actually going to a wedding very soon. Oh. Uh, my nephew's getting married in California, so I'll be going there. And, uh, you know, life went on. And where's your brother? Is he he's there in California. Okay. He he worked for years, and now he's he's kind of semi-retired. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Doing things. What an adventure. Yeah. Followed the girl back to Oregon. And here we are. To Wisconsin. In Oregon. Well, Wisconsin, yeah, where are we? Followed the girl back to yeah. where, yeah. So who knows? We may do things a lot of things are happening we now <laughs> we may do things yeah a lot well the you know my <laughs> people I collaborate with have moved away this year to California oh, okay. and, and where are you, do you how many where are your kids are they around the country well, or Lily's they, in, uh, New in New York right? and Grace is coming is here okay Grace is right here oh, okay. for now but she'll finish school and then move on yeah. somewhere oh. or stay here yeah never know mm. very exciting a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, good life. Good stuff. Well, you had a good life. <laughs> we had a good life. I'm thankful for it. I'm just, I, I was I, just bringing back the, uh, what you said about the funerals. Yeah. Oh, the funeral yeah. thing, yeah. You had a good life. It is a good life. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Anytime we're able to keep growing and living and doing yeah. things, you know. Keep chasing. Not yep. chasing, but following. I think it's like that. Like, I see, like, oh, that looks fun. I'll go do that. And then that other thing looks fun. And Try out different things. Yeah. And, yeah. We're pretty lucky. I think so, yeah. I think we are. All of us yeah. are if we recognize it. I know. You know, get caught in that everyday stuff. Yeah. I think we're, this is circling back to when we started today, when I first showed up and shook your hand like 75 hours. Of life has I continued. No, it's, um, I said I have these two mantras, <laughs> even though things are going a little crazy. It's, um, I have everything I need right now. You I do. A lot of wires right in front of okay, us. Besides that. And um, everything is possible. It like is. Remembering that all the time, everything is possible. So. Yes. The diff- what did I say? The difficult can be accomplished immediately. The impossible takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. Someone else actually said that. Probably. Really? Uh, you need I'm to, sure they did. You need to note that. Someone we'll that. M- much more sophisticated After than we're myself. Done you. Yahoo! So it how though. How much is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. How much is it like driving you crazy right now? How smell? How good it smells in here? You know, that's weird. You're as you're talking. I'm. What time? <laughs> I'm thinking like, someone's cooking something I good. Know, like we a, haven't eaten, eaten for like like a mesquite hours. thing. Yeah. Something mesquite or good. It smells it really smells good. Really good. Delicious. You're gonna hear crunching in a minute. I know. All right, we're gonna wrap. This. Thank you for Thank you your for time being today. Here. Yeah, this was great. Uh, we're gonna do a part two with you and talk about your adventures, like in more detail with um, his name again, your friend that you went surfing with. Mark. Mark. I always need names twice. I think because I say Mark that, Aran, I yeah. need names twice. But if I Mark Horan, Mark Horan, Mark Horan. Yeah. yeah, Mark Horan. So, yeah, we'll do a part Great. two with the adventures We could do a part two and, and then my mom's uh, my mom's story even yeah. folds into that and uh, that journey. Yeah, we're going to do that. In writing on it. It's a deal. Okay. 
Sounds good. I love part twos. Okay. As long as they're <laughs> not a se- the sequel of a sequel. As yeah. long as they're good. As long. Is it good? It's going to be, be very interesting. Okay, good. Sorry. It is very interesting. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take right. care. You too. Right. Should we go eat now? Uh, let's do something. Let's do that. Okay. That was fun. So let's talk about what I learned from Frank today. First of all, I learned that hardships when you're growing up can lead you to um, have a lot of patience and resilience, as demonstrated by the way he was super patient when I couldn't get my equipment working for like an hour. And then, the other thing I learned is when somebody asks you to guess how much they weigh, you always guess 20 pounds, even less than you think, because there's just no way of backpedaling out of that. So that was a good lesson. And I also learned that being around him is like plugging yourself into a light socket. And I mean that in the best possible way. It's kind of like he's just on and full of energy and funny and ideas. And I can't wait to have him on the show again. I pretty much suspect he could fill up another hour or ten with some of his stories. And lastly, in a listener day, I have to say this. Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Thanks for listening. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.